Welcome to my podcast, To The Root. I'm your host and waxer enthusiast, Reen being the queen. I will share my world of waxing as a licensed cosmetologist, beauty tips, and beyond. I am super excited to share with you all, and thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, I know it's been a little over a week since my last podcast episode, and I hope you guys are enjoying the Femme Fatale Fridays. I have some more, you know, lovely women to bring on to the show, but today is a topic that touches on being a woman and being a black woman and on a mission to just keep pushing, you know, keep pushing. And I had a chance to uh, talk to Cece. She has a page called Shoes and Hoes, which is very uh, aesthetically uh, stimulating to an open mind. I support her because she is one of the people that are on the table, you know, that comes in, that gets waxed. Now, personally, I haven't waxed her, but she knows the life of, you know, coming in and keeping up her herself and doing it because she wants to do it, you know, because it feels good for her to, to wax and take care of herself. And, the conversation was really, really good. You guys going to love it. Please give me feedback because this dialogue, this conversation is, it hits a spot, you know, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I thank you so much for your continued support. It's been a very tough couple of weeks for me, and I'm sure everybody that has witnessed what has gone on in the past couple weeks are feeling some kind of way too. So I really hope you guys are doing the necessary uh, time out, uh, time to yourself, praying, protesting, whatever whatever feeds your soul to do at this time. I just hope that you are doing the right thing. I... Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a special guest today, Cece, who also has an Instagram page called Shoes and Hoes. And we initially started talking because a good friend of mine, her name is Katora, she connected us. She gets waxed at the same place that I work at. And so we were connected that way. Thanks, Katora. So let's introduce Cece. Okay, guys. How you doing, Cece? Hey. <laughs> so glad that you're on the show. I know the very first time that we talked, we had such a connection. And so I was like, I got to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know very little about waxing. I just show up. So <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to talk about? But we did have a good combo, a really good combo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When when we first started talking, um, we sparked up a conversation about 
cultural uh, approaches to body waxing and how when it comes to Black women, it's not much of a necessity to go ahead and wax on the regular. It's more so like, listen, if I can do it, I'll do it. It could be a special occasion or whatnot, but it's not, it's not something where it's like, I got to do this, you know? That is a very interesting conversation. Um, and to your point, yeah, I think that a lot of Black women don't do it um, because historically we, we've been ashamed or we've been shamed, not ashamed, but we've been shamed. Um, <clears throat> like our bodies are not our own. Um, we're policed religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things like that, that we don't, that's not historically been us. We, like you said, our bodies are not our own. We had to serve to other people. We had to sacrifice for other people. Women's breast milk, Black mm-hmm. women's breast milk felt fed white women's children. And even as a mom, I breastfed my daughter for 26 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with that modern time, as we like, look at how that's carried. You gave an example of, you know, what was going on in slavery, but like, take it beyond that as a woman. And, you know, so that's intersectionality as a woman and as a black woman, um, because we have our own cultural norms just within mm-hmm. the black culture um, behind women not having autonomy and owning their own bodies. Um, but as a mother, I don't own my own body. My child is seven now. She still walks up to me and she might grab my boobs and mom, do you still have milk in there? No, girl, what? <laughs> <laughs> but there's no personal space. As black women, we are supposed to be caping for everyone and, and we belong to everybody and we're saving the world and we're tired of saving the world. You know what I mean? Like, why can't I get a piece of what I'm giving everybody else? You know, we're we're finally stepping into this, you know, everybody talks about self-care, but we're stepping into this ownership of ourselves. And if nobody's going to give it to me, I'm going to give it to myself. If nobody's going to give an opportunity, I'm going to make one myself. And we're finally starting to add ourselves um, to the conversation in addition to putting ourselves first. Mm. So for me, it isn't just about just waxing. It's about the freedom to do what it is that I want to do, do something that feeds me. A lot of people talk about traveling as their self-care or that's what they do to make themselves happy. For me, I mean, I'm a vain person, (laughs) I guess, but most of mine comes into being paid. So pedicures, if I could get a pedicure every day, I would. I just love having someone do something with my feet. Um, getting waxed and then you know this ventures into bdsm but i love wax play i love the warm the sensation of the warm wax going on and then being ripped off now when i'm getting my wax my girl that doesn't necessarily feel the best um as opposed to doing it in bdsm it's usually on the back or some other body part um but this grooming this taking care of myself this having someone else provide a service for me. All of this feeds into my self-care and the things that I want for myself. Um, So there are women like me who are just like, no, I'm woman, hear me roar. I'm black woman, I roar louder. Um, Doing this for myself 
but I'm not going to lie and say if I'm going to have company that I'm not going to make sure that it coincides <laughs> the last time I got my wax, um, when this whole exchange for us to connect happened it was because I thought I was going you know lay low and spread it wide and it didn't happen but on <laughs> COVID and so I'm glad I did get it when I did um, but there are a lot of us who do it for um, aesthetics they do it only when it's a special occasion um sometimes it's because she doesn't feel like she owns her body and she has to present it in a certain way for a man so that it would be acceptable and sometimes it is someone like me who you know while I think it's great that my partner accepts it I'm doing it for myself um so you know we then we have another subset of women or grouping of women where um their actions aren't necessarily as consistent and intense as mine are, but they do partake. They will um, get a wax every now and then. They are open to having it done or they shave or do some type of manicuring for whatever right. reason. But then we also have the subset of women who won't do anything. We have a subset of women who think that it's bad. It's whorish. It's... Um, you're fast. Um, some people go as far as saying it's, um, it has a pedophilic nature, you know, to be bald. It's, it's, it's like, you know, having sex with a kid. It's a lot. And that's when it becomes a political issue, yeah. not just a personal. I'm here to serve women of all races, all colors, you know, all nationalities and backgrounds. It's all about bringing awareness to how we approach self-care and you broke it down pretty well on how you know basically how you would as a black woman and how you approach your self-care and I feel like with everything going on in society black women do have to choose a lot of times between their self-care it's a lot of roles that we have to take on when we have missing pieces to our family Mm-hmm. Like when our black men are being taken from us, whether it be jail or or death, it's a role that is overbearing. It's too. It becomes too much where the self care is going to be affected. I agree, um, but I don't even have to say that it that it it's it's only when our families are broken down. I mean, even when you have a family intact, I was a stay at home mom. Um, that was the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Um, because I asked, you know, I, I when I said I had children, I was going to have children. I said I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to raise my kids myself. I didn't want to pay someone else to do it. You know, I have very staunch views on how I would be a mother. Um, <clears throat> and so she was a surprise. Um, I got pregnant with her um, right after a miscarriage. So both were surprises, Um, but I was a little more prepared for her because I kind of got stuck in like a baby tunnel after I had the miscarriage. So I started thinking about um, the options that I had for healthcare and, you know, whether I wanted to breastfeed or not, where I wanted to give birth. So that period where I was kind of depressed actually prepared me so that when six months after I lost the first baby and I'm surprised you're pregnant again, I actually was prepared. Um, but anyhow, you know, so we had the nuclear family unit, 
you know, um, we had all of that. I decided to go back to school. Her dad decided to go back to school, but I still ended up feeling like I was alone because I was the only one sacrificing, you know, mm-hmm. he was able to go to school for 17 hours per day and come home and sleep and go back out. Whereas I had to get up, I had to prepare you know, the baby for the nanny. I had to go to school. And instead of going to the library to study, I came straight home. Um, From the time I got in the door, I had a baby stuck to me because like I said, I was nursing until she was two years old. So by the time I'm spending time with her and making sure she's good, um, you know, I can't get anything else done. If she goes to bed at 11, I then have to cook so that we have something to eat for the next day. I have to clean the house and then I have to get started on my schoolwork. So there were many days that I'm watching the sun come up at 7 a.m. and my alarm is going off to start getting the baby ready for the nanny. So Mm -hmm. even when you have your partner as women, it's going back to us not not owning our own bodies, not owning our own selves, we're expected to save everyone and run everything. Um, And self-care gets lost in that because we're taught, Mm -hmm. we're socialized that our job is to be the nurturer. But we also have freedoms now because of feminism and womanism and those movements where if we want a career, we can go out and have a career. We can have those things now, but that that the gender, the weight of, of gender norms that wasn't appeased, that wasn't meted out to men and made equal so that we both can do this, we still are dragging the expectations of what it is to be a woman in addition to now having the right to work like men, but get paid less. So it's a double-edged sword for us. Yeah. In in that sense, you know, like we're women and we're black Mm -hmm. and on, on all scales, we have to be um, prepared. Yes. Yes. We're multifaceted, whether we want to be or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like it's, it's not even a choice. Yeah, and it's damned you know? if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you if you take the stance and say, "Well, I am the most important thing to me," you know, if I don't show up for me, who else will? Mm-hmm. Then you're you're demonized, right? Then you're selfish. Um, motherhood has always been something that I knew would be for me as far as my consciousness is concerned if you ask my mom or my siblings um they'll say that there was a period where I told them I didn't want kids um but I think that that was because I felt I was responsible for other people's kids at the time um and it left a sour taste in my mouth but as far as I was concerned I knew that I would always be a mother um and when it didn't happen sometimes I thought I would never have kids I thought I couldn't have children and so that was very hard um, for me to deal with. So when my daughter came around, although it was inconvenient, I was extremely happy um, because I was going to get this life that I said I wanted. But the picture I painted for myself, it was very fairy tale in that I didn't think about the fact that, you know, when I looked at that, I saw that I had a very loving husband and someone who considered me a partner considered the work that I did at home to be of equal value um and that he understood that although what I was doing wasn't bringing in money it was definitely helping him to make more money 
because he didn't have the responsibilities. I lifted that weight from him. So all he had to worry about was work and to go out there and he had the freedom and time to do it. That's not what my reality ended up being. Right. So I was forced to make those decisions um, as to what was the priority. And it was always a wee, wee, wee. Um, and I fell through the cracks and, and I lost myself. I don't have very many pictures of me when um, my daughter was very small because I was always taking pictures of her, but I also didn't want to be in front of the camera because the ones that I look at now, I look dead. Mm. I was dead. Um, not to mention, you know, the things that I was going through in the relationship. It was a very controlling situation. Um, I, girl, I like died and I'm not going to get too much into it because I'll start crying. But that's like, even now it makes me very emotional. Like I had to escape that situation, mm. but it really took me looking at my situation and recognizing that I was showing my daughter the template for what a woman is. And when I looked at that and I saw that I did not like that, that I would not want my life for her, I knew I had, it, I had to change it. I had to change it. And so although the work that I was doing to bring myself out of it did not initially start out being for me, it was, you know, to be an example for my daughter along the road, I learned the value of self and loving self and accepting self in self's entirety and um that spawned like where i am now <laughs> and mm -hmm. and the 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 refinding or finding the person that i was like finding her again figuring out where she went but then also going farther um with the wisdom and the knowledge that i've taken from situations um and becoming a better self in that I've accepted who I am and I've taken the time to get to know her. Um, in BDSM, we you know, call getting to know someone vetting. And you know, before you jump into a dynamic or a relationship with someone, you need to vet them and make sure that they are who they say they are and that it's, it's a compatible match. What we don't tell people is that they need to vet themselves. You know, all the questions that you ask when you're really interested in someone and you want to get to know them and you really want to, you know, get them and be with them and kind of, you know, that's my man or my woman and my person. All of those probing things that you ask to get to know them because you're very interested in them. We got to turn that on ourselves. Absolutely. You have to get to know yourself. If you don't know yourself, you're going to be out here trying to fill a void with stuff but it's never being sated. It's never being filled or satisfied because you don't even know what the fuck you're looking for. Right. You don't know who you are to know what it is that you like or want. It, it's like having pictures of really sweet Kool-Aid after you know running a hundred meter race. You want water. <laughs> you need water, but all you can find is this you know, sickly sweet Kool-Aid. 
Right. And you just keep taking it in and taking it in. This is why people out here just randomly fucking anybody and everybody. This is why, you know, the pursuit of all the cars and all the money and all the hoes and all the labels and all of that stuff that's a bottomless pit is because you're constantly throwing shit in there, but nothing is sticking. That ain't really what you want. That's right. That's right. And I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. And having that balance has to start with you knowing that you need to take better care of yourself. Like you said, like the energy that you possess from other people comes from the energy inside of you. Mm-hmm. What you are seeking is also seeking you. So you want to set your mind on things that you really, really want. You know, so that it can come back to you the way that you would want it. And, you know, I know you're big on energy and I'm big on energy as well. And so it is super important to tap into the energy that you um, you want to share. You want to expose. That's the first thing people feel before they see you. They see your energy before they see you. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be able to detect the energy you don't want to deal with right away or know how to maneuver it mm-hmm. or know how to, you know what I'm saying? Challenge it in a way where they know not to even step to you a certain way, you know? Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, we are really big on energy. That was one of the things that uh, we found we had in common that we connected on. Um, we have to learn to give ourselves permission mm-hmm. to be selfish yeah. Selfish has taken on a negative connotation and it, and it's like, you know, at all costs, I'm going to get what I want and fuck everybody else. That's not what I mean by selfish. What I mean right. by selfish is putting your mask on before you help someone else in, in, on the airplane. You know, right. you can't pour from an empty pitcher. If you don't have shit to give, how are you giving it to other folks? Right. So if you aren't finding people and things and hobbies and situations and um, interests that pour into you and feed you, you're not going to be able to give anybody else. You can't be a great mom if you're not a great you. How -hmm. are you going to give love to a partner if you're never getting any love? How are you going to teach someone else to be independent and self-sufficient and 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 self-accepting if you're not those things so we have to learn to to say it's okay that I can't answer my friend's phone call right now because I just don't have the energy it's not being selfish and you're not being a bad friend but when you take on weight that you can't you can't even carry your own in the moment. You're doing more harm to yourself. Right? And there's nothing wrong with stepping back and saying, I can't do that right now because it's more harmful to me. Right, exactly. It sounds I'm very good. it sounds very basic, but it's not. Like, that's a big thing. Somebody, I, I don't think... I, 
we got to learn to be quiet and just like feel shit, like sit in uncomfortable stuff. We fill a lot of our lives with noise and space and every second has to be busy doing something, has to be scheduled, got somewhere to be, something to do. In yoga, you learn to like be so quiet because like it, they teach you that your aches and pains, your body is telling you something. Your body's always talking to you. When you're wearing four inch heels and working a corporate job and then coming home and cooking dinner and being mommy and being, you know, partner to your, 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 your mate and having sex and, you know, whatever, and you're doing all of this shit, you're not listening to what your body is telling you. You don't have time to stop and rub your feet when you take your shoes off because you got to jump in the shower and then go cook dinner. Um, so you know, then you get to a point where it's like your hip has got to be replaced. And you're like, well, damn, how did we get to this? Because you were just so busy filling your life with noise. You didn't have time. Mm. We don't take the time to sit and be quiet and listen. And so, you know, with my spiritual practices, and I, I believe in ancestor veneration, and I'm really big into like hoodoo and um, ATR, um, African traditional religions. Um, we believe in spirit and energy and, and our ancestors or whatnot. And so in order for me to feel connected to spirit, to the earth, to energy, to whatever's going on, I sometimes have to block everybody out and sit in the dark and, you know, sit on the floor. I'm sitting on the floor talking to you now, making sure that I stay grounded. I have to do that and be quiet so that I can listen to my spirit and my body saying, Cece, this is what you need to pay attention to. You know, you've been going so much that, that, you've you've lost sight of this and now you know this this will take you down the wrong road like we're uncomfortable with sitting and being quiet we don't feel that we have the space to own that time and say we can't do that because we have such and such deadline at work and such and such has to be done with the kids and my partner needs this time and again we're running ourselves into the ground but giving yourself permission saying it's okay and not feeling bad about it Knowing that no is a full sentence and that's it, not internalizing it, not feeling bad, not feeling like you got to make it up to somebody later on, saying no, giving yourself that permission to do it and it's okay and not caring what anybody thinks about it is monumentous. And when you make that step, shit becomes so much clearer for you and it becomes so much easier to say 23 hours out of the day have to be devoted to sleeping or other people or whatever my responsibilities are. But for one hour, I'm going to shut everything out. And this is just for me, whatever the hell I want to do. When you start making those small steps and know that you're worth it, you will see how your life changes so quickly and for the better. But you have to learn detachment and not to hold on to stuff or it's going to make it that much harder. When we learn detachment mm -hmm. and know to accept things for what they are, we open, we, we open ourselves up to what could be better. You know, the old adage about, you know, with the closed fist, you can't receive. When you're holding on so tightly to that bad relationship because you don't want to be by yourself, you don't make room for that, that man or that woman or that non-binary person to come into your life and make your life that much better just because you like the energy that you generate when you're with that person. That's how mm -hmm. I view relationships. It ain't about what that person does for me in the sense of what he gives me. 
um, um, tangibly. It's, I love who I am. I love my energy. I've met someone that I can see his energy from afar and it's great. But when we get together, our energy together, that shit that we create, it makes me feel so good. And I can Mm -hmm. see that it makes him feel good. That's how I view my parents. That's how I view my relationships. When we learn to stop internalizing everything and, and carrying weights that don't belong to us, it clears out space for light, fresh energy and air and shit that feeds us. I can be this com- go-to person for my friends when they want to let shit off their chest because I, I allow myself space. You know, when I know I don't have it, I don't. So later on, when I do have it, I have a great abundance of it because I've made sure that I was rooted and I had time for it. That um, I feel like I went all around the mulberry bush with that. But I just get so passionate about it because I feel like as women, as black women, this is revolutionary. (laughs) Like, why is this revolutionary that I'm sitting here talking about this? Right. It should be a given. Yes, I give a fuck about myself. So no, I'm not going to take that phone call if I know it's going to stress me out further. Right. That shouldn't be revolutionary. You and I were talking before we started recording about how, um, or maybe it wasn't you. It might have been my work wife I was talking to. No, it was me and you. And we were talking about Black literature and standards and how in AP English, I almost failed AP English because I didn't want to fucking read about Wuthering Heights. I didn't give a fuck about Heathcliff and them. But give me some Toni Morrison. Yes. You know what I mean? Give me people that are relevant to who I am. Stories that interest me. They're just as much as classics as Shakespeare is, if not more. It's such a turnaround now. Right now in this moment. Because um, we learn about American history. Um, I would say white American history before we learn about our own history in schools. And so now people are forced, if they want to, they're not really forced. They, 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 it's a choice for them to educate themselves it, at this time, in this moment of why people are acting the way that they are right now. You know what I mean? So it's, it's awesome to hear you say like you were about to fail because you didn't want to feed your soul with something that didn't feed your soul. Yeah. And it's too much. It was just, it's just too much of that in our culture that we have been, that has been done to us at a young age. Now, if it's been taught at home, thank God for the parents that are teaching at home because everything starts at home. You know, your mother, your father, whoever raised you, they are your teachers Mm -hmm. before you meet your first teacher in school. So it, you just said a lot right there, and I'm just so happy that you said that. <laughs> I feel like I said too much, girl. I always be talking. No, this is this is this is a girlfriend chat. This is our, you know, our jam session. We are putting putting it out there on the line. We're putting our hearts out there and letting people know from a black woman's perspective on what self care is like, how we're feeling right now, because we had this conversation before we even started talking about, we don't know what to talk about. It's a moment of confusion right now for us. And 
we're just putting it out there on the table no matter how it comes out. Yeah. And I love you for that. And I thank you so much for being on my show. Well, I thank you for giving me the space to talk about it. Um, you know, just being vulnerable in this moment. One of my insecurities pops up because I don't feel I know what I'm good at. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like we all are giving gifts, right? Um, singers have beautiful voices. Um, artists, they, they're great illustrators. Or they're wonderful pain, painters or sculptors or whatever. Um, if you can write, you can write poetry, you can write books, you can be a ghostwriter. I don't have any of those talents like I'm good at most of the stuff like I I do well enough to do great in school at it but it's not my passion it's not what feeds me it's not you know my gift right so it's been difficult for me to talk about empowering self and getting out here and getting it when I don't even know what the fuck I'm supposed to be getting (laughs) like what is my gift that I hone in on and cultivate Um, and figure out how to monetize so that, and not because I want to get rich off of it, but monetize so that I can free up my time and energy to continue to explore this gift and contribute to the world in my own way. And, you know, making sure that it brings in at least enough money so that I can live and do more of it. You know what I mean? That whole cycle, right? I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not bogged down with a nine to five, or in my case, a seven 30 to five you know, and then I never have any energy to pour into my passion. I don't know what mine is. I haven't figured that out. I used to be a wardrobe stylist. I can do that. But, you know, that's not one of those careers that you would really look at as um, a quote unquote talent. Like when I did photo shoots and whatnot, and I was doing paid gigs, if something happened to the money, one of the first people that got cut was the wardrobe stylist because people think, oh, all they're doing is putting clothes on them. Like, eh, it's not really that mm-hmm. simple. Um, but that's always been my experience. Like, I, I don't know where I fit and how to forge my path and what it is. I'm a very free spirit. I am who I am. If you don't like it, well, fuck it. There's somebody else out there that you might like. I'm just not it for you. Um. I'm, I've always been like this, even as a kid, I wasn't as self-assured with it, but I mean, what else did I have? I had to work with the cars that I had. That kind of was my attitude um, as a kid. This is who I am. And it's just like, fuck it. <laughs> it's a fucked up hand, but it's mine. Um, right. So I want to help people get to this place um, because I feel like that's all I have. Like that's, that's what I can offer people because I don't have one of those other talents but how do I do anything with this that's that's my internal thing I grapple with that because if my message to people is empowerment and know who you are it sounds very contradictory to say that my struggle is I don't know who the fuck I am when it comes to my talent I don't know what my talent is I don't know what my gift is you already doing it. You already doing it. But I'm not. To me, I'm not because one, I don't feel there's a forged path for me. I can't see how to get there. I'm just out here rooting in the dark. Um, so much of my life, to me, has been spent spinning wheels, not making real progress. 
starting stuff and not finishing it, moving on to the next thing, because I'm not a person that's going to stick with something. If it seems like it's not working for me, I'm not going to waste my time continuing on it. I'm going to move to something else. The bad side of that is never finishing anything. You know, on one hand, I don't want to waste time on something, but on the other hand, I don't need a bunch of unfinished things and, you know, following behind me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so every day doing what I do now, I work at a damn school. Like my degrees are in fashion. The fuck? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But when I go there every day, if nothing else, those kids see a black woman that shows up every day in usually a skirt or a dress, whatever. 98% of the time I'm wearing, you know, some four inch heels and a head wrap. Half of those kids don't know what it is that I do at the school. But if you were to say something about the lady with the heels and the head wrap, all of them would know who you were talking about. For Mm -hmm. me, that is my mark. That is the seed that I've planted in these kids heads because I used to be them right and the thing that I'm grappling with now as a middle-aged woman can't believe I just said that um (laughs) the thing that I'm fighting now as a middle-aged woman is not being able to see my path not know where I'm going right I'm fighting with that now but what I'm doing for these kids is showing them a path is connecting because when I was them as a kid, I knew that I wanted to be like Claire Huxtable, but I didn't know how to get there. That's not mm-hmm. the biological fam- family that I had. That's not what I came from. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't, I wasn't raised solely by my biological family. So one of the families that I was raised by was very Huxtable. So I had a direct connection to what it was that I wanted, the life that I wanted for myself. I could see how to get there because I saw an example. What people didn't know about my Huxtable life was that my parent was on drugs. Mm -hmm. So I was living that, you know, we attribute it to white folks now, but I was living that, um, you know, um, middle-class life, but with the drugs behind the scenes that no one saw. Mm -hmm. Everyone just saw the pretty. I was the kid in that situation. So, when I talked to these kids and these families and these parents and, you know, when I was at college, that was the way that I related to some of my other inner city kids because I grew up also in Baltimore. That was my direct path to talking to these kids and showing them a different way because I lived it. And so what I'm doing now is providing a direct path for those kids that, I, that, that I'm around. I don't even work with them. I don't teach them anything, but they see me. They see that it's possible to have a corporate job and not compromise your blackness. Mm -hmm. They see that you can be professional and wear four inch heels that you wore out last night. They see that you don't always have to wear a suit to be professional. You can show your personality in your clothing. Right. Um, That I think is my small contribution to our future. I am being what I felt I didn't have as a kid. I didn't always have a direct path until something opened up for me. The problem we have now with our youth is that they don't see how you become a Jay-Z or Beyonce. 
they know that their current reality is five square blocks and they've never traveled outside their city, let alone outside of their state or the country. Right. So how is it that they're going to see that they can become uh, an Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey traveling all over the world when they can't even see beyond their city? True. So my (laughs) contribution, even though I don't know what my gift is, I don't know, I can't see my path. The little path that I'm forging is that I'm at least showing them a different image of what they may see every day, but it's tangible. I'm somebody they can talk to. I'm not just someone they see in a magazine or on TV. I'm right here. And that means a lot. And it says a lot. And the last thing I wanted to um, to add before we wrap up is um, I was at a place where I wasn't happy with my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what my purpose was. And I just prayed with specific details. Like, I'm not happy with my life. I need to find a purpose. I love the work that I do, but I'm not happy with my life. And if I'm not happy with my life, I can't be consistently happy at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It also squares back to self-care. I'm taking a moment to not just be in a consistent um, hamster wheel mm-hmm. just going through life and just getting by. I'm knowing that I, I know that I have another purpose. I just didn't know what it was. And praying that prayer allowed me to venture out, move out of the five blocks of my city and allow me to see higher heights and better opportunities, new opportunities, and also allow me to start my own lane in doing this podcast. I know there's millions of podcasts all over, but I told myself, I don't want to talk about waxing. I want to share my experience in the room, out of the room, and with the people on the table. Mm-hmm. And because you're one of the people that are on the table, these are the kind of conversations that I have within a 15-minute wax session or Mm -hmm. 30-minute wax session. These are the things that I based my title of my podcast after, To the Root. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to the root of the, getting to the root of your hair. (laughs) (laughs) as well as as to the root of whatever issue or problem you might be facing we're going to get to it we're going to come on you're going to have lighter weight taken off of you on your body and on your spirit Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. so I want to thank you so much for coming on the show I know we were going to talk about um, more stuff but we will get back to that conversation with BDSM because it's a very, <laughs> you mentioned it, and I'm sure a couple of the listeners like, she's saying BDSM, but she's not getting into it. But we will schedule another time to have you back on the show so we can really get into that. And okay. uh, thank you so much. I really, really hope that at this time you are 
taking the necessary precautions and, you know, being safe and taking care of yourself and staying grounded, like you said. Yes, ma'am. Um, me and my little um, herbal medicine <laughs> are in here just fine. We are bonding very well. We are a great quarantine couple. Um, so, yeah, I am um, finding ways to um, deal with anxiety because when you um, deal with anxiety, it, it's something that doesn't ever go away. And what's happening now um is it, it does make one anxious. And then thinking about the well-being of kids who don't have necessarily the tools to mm-hmm. handle it, you know, as we do, and having to worry about, you know, children. Like, you know, a lot of us are, are dealing with a lot on our plates. Um, so I am, and, um, you know, I just would like to encourage your listeners to also do the same. It's okay to lock yourself in your room for about 30 minutes and let the kids go crazy. Um, take that 30 minutes for yourself. And then you come up and y'all make a game out of cleaning it together. You know, release all that stress because stress will kill you. Yes. You know, this is a blessing that we have this time to be mm-hmm. at home. It's a blessing to be able to sit down and ruminate on what life is really about. There are a lot of jobs. My job, I was always told um, we're not able to work. We don't have the infrastructure. We can't. It's impossible to work from home. What the hell are we all doing there? working from home working from home exactly <laughs> so this has opened up a world of possibilities for us you know mm-hmm. look at how i saw an article today like uh, i was a child that was taken to plantations on field trips mm-hmm. like you think about that they mm-hmm. don't a reenactment it's like well where do i go right. as a child i'm taken and it's normal in Virginia now they're still doing it someone told me on a post they're still taking kids to plantations for field trips black kids um and like that's a that's a that's a mind fuck you know it really is. yes <laughs> we don't think about that so this is revolutionary in that right now all over the south confederate monuments are coming down Mm. I've just been spamming my timeline on Facebook with all of these articles. You know, we've been yelling this for years as Black people. Ancestrally, Black people, we believe in energy and spirit and all of these things. We talk about kids being here before and coming back. Even when you're the most Baptist of the Baptists, like my grandmother. (laughs) I asked, Grandma, you believe in reincarnation? No. Well, then why do you say she's been here before? That's reincarnation. Like so much of us as black people is contradictory in America because mm-hmm. they taught us to hate what comes naturally to us as black folks, as spiritual people, as indigenous people, as people connected to this earth. They've taught right. us to hate it. And then they co-opt it, package it, and then sell it back to us. So not only do we have to become consumers of things and we're spending money on stuff that comes naturally to us that was ours, we're mind fucked because you taught me to hate it, but now you're telling me it's the hottest shit. Hmm. You told me cornrows were ghetto and terrible, but you put them on Bo Derek and she's sexy. You got Kim Kardashian out here calling them Bo Derek braids, even though we've been doing them forever. Oh now you're telling us we gotta love them and they're hot, and y'all gonna charge us to have them, but it came naturally to us. You knew your tribe by how your hair was done. You knew that energy transfer, so you didn't let anybody just touch your hair. We were able to bring seeds over here 
from Africa in our hair because of the way we braided it. We were able to to, you know what I mean, make maps to freedom in our hair because we were able to braid it. You taught me to hate my legacy and then you're going to package it and sell it to me. That's some shit. That's our reality. So yes, I'm championing for black women to fucking take 30 minutes and let them kids fuck that house up because you are the living embodiment of your ancestors and they've taken your heritage from you. You don't know why you're confused and why you're always stressed and fucked up. It's because we're not connected like we should be. Right. The first step to get to freedom and where, you know, this journey, the first step to this journey is standing up and saying, I'm worth it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's standing up and saying, I can take this 30 minutes. It's standing up and saying, I'm not going to answer that phone because it's too much for me. It's standing up and saying, I'm not going to work till nine o'clock at night. Y'all pay me nine to five and I'm stopping at five o'clock. That's right. It's time's up. Time out. We have to recognize that. And I appreciate you shedding light on that and educating people educating my listeners i appreciate you coming on the show once again you guys thank you for listening i am your host reen being the queen and definitely check out her page shoes and hoes she has a lot of great feed a lot of history (laughs) seriously educating the people which is is helpful and is needed and i'm here for it i'm here for it well thank you sis for having your you know being empowered to share your voice with people and giving, um, you know, giving space to black women, um, allowing space for black women. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm proud of you for taking space and I'm proud of you for allowing space for others. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And everybody be safe. Just take the time to love yourself so you can love others and be able to, Spread your energy the way that you want it spread back to you. You guys take care. I love you. I'm your host, Marine Being the Queen. Yay, you made it to the end. I appreciate all of you for listening. And if you enjoyed it so far, please make sure that you leave a review and subscribe. Also, share. I appreciate all of you. And if you're interested in being on the podcast, please email me to the root.you at gmail.com.